Hi there, and welcome to Fantasy for the Ages, the show where father and son sit down and talk about things in fantasy literature. I'm the son in that equation, Zach. And I'm the father, Jim. Nice to have you with us again today. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. I gestured with yeah, a wave. He definitely like <laughs> waved to the uh, computer <laughs> monitor because, yeah, that that's what we do here. We yeah. yeah. We give a visual representation of our podcast recording. Hey, it got benefit, though. We have Jordo in the Discord with us, listening live again, and he waved back. Thank you for validating my dad. There you go. All right, how you doing today, Zach? I'm doing okay. This was a big week for you. It was. I, as I've said before, I'm getting ready for move, but I'm also going to Alaska for a wedding before that. And so this past week was my final week at my current job. He successfully completed a job and they didn't run him off yeah, or anything. Yeah, didn't get fired. <laughs> so that one's good. But it was... Not, not that you have a history of getting fired. No. To clarify. No, it just... You've it, never been fired. Not that I know of. <laughs> but it was a nice kind of bittersweet of, oh, it's the last time, but also, thank goodness, now it's the last time and I get to move on and... I mean, on and off, jazz. you worked there for like four years. Yeah. There were definitely times when I wasn't because like I wasn't always living here, but... I typically came back and was like, yeah, I'll work here for a bit more. And this most recent time was over a year straight. All through the, the pandemic, pandemic and quarantine and all that, I was working here. So that was a big thing with me. And Absolutely. in just a couple days, I will be going to Alaska. How are you doing, Dad? I'm doing well. I had a fairly normal week, except that my car is still in the shop. Yeah, yeah, not so great. And they still have no estimate for me on when I will get it back. Fortunately, it's a time of year where I don't have a lot of travel for work, so I can make do. I've been working from home. Next week, I do have a conference to go attend out at the beautiful Pacific Coast again, Oregon Coast. And since you're out of town, we have an extra vehicle around. Yeah, you can use my car. <laughs> so it instead. works out. This is not a good time to try to rent a car. Rental no, prices not are really. sky high right now. During the pandemic, the companies all sold off their inventory. So there's not enough cars for all the people who now want to rent. And that means capitalism. They can charge more. And even though things are opening back up, I believe a lot of places still have extra charges here and there in taking care of various COVID-related things. Well, and even the car manufacturers are having trouble making cars enough for the demand that's starting again. So car dealerships want to buy more. You know, the rental places, they want cars. They can't get them. But you didn't come here to listen to us talk about car manufacturers <laughs> That's right. we in should the escape real world. from this stuff This now. is about fantasy. Yes. So as we fantasize about better things, let's talk about drinks. That is a better thing. What are you drinking? I have made a unique, one-of-a-kind wattail for us today okay. here. I'm drinking Four Kings and a Peachy Crown. So Four Kings, of course, has some meaning, even to those first-time readers who are with us. Uh, oh, you mean in the book? I thought you were talking about, like, with the liquor. No, no. From the book, Four Kings, prominent yes. site, and, and something happens in the eye of the world that was significant there. I think you're allowed to spoil that. We've already covered it. Yeah, I don't have to do it again, because we have already covered it. <laughs> but so Four Kings, and there is a, a tale they haven't heard about yet talking about four kings and mm -hmm. their fight over a crown. So I've got four kings and a peachy crown because the four kings of liquor in this are vodka, gin, dark rum, and tequila. And then I put in some peach crown royal. See, crown, get it? So peachy crown. There so you go. I have a really semi-concerning thing that I am asking this question. 
That story is a Wheel of Time story. I didn't remember if it was in this series or if I read it somewhere else. I just remember the story. That's in, yeah, it's a Wheel, That's of, a Wheel of Time, time story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll get to it a few books down the road. I couldn't tell you what book it's in. I remember the story vividly. Journal might, yeah. I just have no idea where it's from. Not a clue. All right. Well, it will come back to you. Yes, eventually. What are you drinking, Zach? Well, I could say it's my first iteration of Mother's Milk in a Cup. Mm. Um, truthfully, the name that I found it as is a creamy vodka. Okay. So it's two ounces of vodka, two teaspoons of vanilla extract, and then a cup of milk. Okay. So it's kind of like I'm a child drinking a glass of milk, but a lot more not. All right. So you called it Mother's Milk in a Cup. Now that is a it's mother's, curse. Yes, in it's Wheel Mother's Time. Milk in a Cup version one. Have we had that curse yet? I don't think so. Probably not. Spoiler warning. Mother's but Milk in a Cup is a curse. Listen for it. You'll hear it eventually. Mother's Milk in a Cup. Wheel of Time has some great in-world curses that I really do enjoy. That's one of them. And uh, three years from now, when I've done four <laughs> or five other versions of Mother's Milk in a Cup, it'll be fun. I'm just, most things that are predominantly milk, I'm probably going to affectionately name that. Well, when I produce the Wheel of Time Wattail book for people to download and stuff, we're going to need a recipe nailed down no, by that. There will be a chapter on very, mother's milk in a cup variations, variations on Mother's Milk in a Cup. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. All right. We've got just uh, three show notes today before we dive into content. Okay. Let's, see. let's do it. What we got? Number one is I just want to drop right up front that every listener of this podcast is invited to join our Discord server. Absolutely. Please do. Yeah, talk with us. And I mean, it's a growing place. We've got a bunch of people who are regularly every day chiming in with questions and thoughts on Wheel of Time and other fantasy. And Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift has her own channel. I still haven't actually gotten my Taylor Swift story in there that... You gotta get it in there. Dylan's why? looking for it probably. I'll, I'll get it up there i need to find some pictures in an old computer that i need to boot up <laughs> the taylor swift channel was inspired by our collaboration with uh, the friends talking fantasy podcast dylan there being a big fan of t swift so i said we can do some taylor swift but our channel is mostly towards memeing her <laughs> and she, we're turning her into a, a dark fantasy goddess and it, it's pretty funny but anybody can drop what they want in the t swift channel so we have more humor, fantasy humor, other humor, all sorts of things. Please come join us. It's free. You just get to jump in and, you know, nerd out with us. Mm -hmm. And you can invest as much or as little time as you want in it. That's right. So we hope to see you in Discord. The link is in the show notes. Woo! The second item is to highlight our next Wheel of Time episode. Yes, not this one. This one's the one you're listening to. We're going to talk I, about the I, yeah, next one. Yeah, I think one. they know this is the one they're listening to. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. <laughs> but the next one that will come out on Wheel of Time, and that'll be right at the beginning of August, if you're listening live, is going to be, yeah, the first Sunday of August. It's going to cover just the final two pages of The Great Hunt which is chapter 50. There's only two pages. So we're doing all the way up to right there before the last two pages today. 
on that last episode. It'll be a special one because mm-hmm. we'll, we'll do something special with those last two pages. And then we'll spend the rest of the time talking about overall themes, impressions, theories. Kind of like we did with the end of our Eye of the World episode. Right. And this conversation will cover The Great Hunt, but also freely bouncing back and forth between Eye of the World and The Great Hunt. Just nothing from The Dragon Reborn yet. Right. We'll just be talking about the journey so far as well as speculations for what it might be suggesting, the questions for the future that we should all be thinking about. Now, of course, we know the answers. We're spoiler light. This will be a spoiler light episode. We won't ruin the stuff, even though we will have guests with us who also have mostly read the series. They've read at least more than what we'll be covering in the episode. Well, our guests will be Rob from Malkir Talks podcast. We've collaborated with him before on a couple of things that he's done. Now he's going to come join us. And then Gleeman Twitch and Mandy Cat of the Gleeman's Apprentice podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, our first time teaming up with them. We know them through Wheel of Time fandom. They're we invited them on. Yeah, and their podcast, they're working their way through the series as well. They're ahead of us. They're, they're moving along there, but the thing is, Mandy Cat has not read beyond the fourth book, so they'll be in very able to speak about the uh, first two books with no problem. We don't have to worry about spoiling things, but on their podcast, it's done as a first-time reader one. Twitch, he's read it all. Absolutely. She's a first-time through, and so... That gives a, a nice spin to it, and we'll love having them on. She can feel like an expert mm-hmm. for once. And you all can hear <laughs> a little more about them from them next week. They'll give a much better explanation than we will. That's right. I will drop in the show notes for this one how you can find both podcasts, Melchior Talks and The Gleeman's Apprentice. Great shows. Final note. Got to hear from an author on Twitter this week. That's always both crazy and fun, whether they're massive or tiny. It's nice, though, when you reference somebody's works and you you tag them and you discover they are paying attention. Either that or whoever they pay to run their Twitter account. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this one's not so famous. I'm sure it is really him. Okay, so this week, uh, we've been engaged with Fantology's monthly poll. They do a monthly Twitter poll. We've competed in them many times. We've never won. But we're still in right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're in the competition. We've made it through a couple rounds already. This is on everybody getting to put forward their three top animal companions from science fiction fantasy. No real rules or restrictions on what that means were listed, so It's all massively subjective, you know. And we have a fine, fine pick put forward there. And there are lots of fine picks, but, you know, ours is the best, so. <laughs> uh, well, obviously we think so. So we've got Hedwig representing Harry Potter series. We've got Bella from the Wheel of Time. Mm-hmm. And then pulling from the past from before Zack is born, we have I've Falcor seen... from the NeverEnding Story. I know the NeverEnding Story, though. It Which never ends. <laughs> anyway, so we're doing well with that. But looking at what other people had put out there, I saw one who had posted Miles from the Helldivers series. I've never seen anyone else reference the Helldivers series. I don't know the Helldivers series. But I enjoy the Helldivers series. There's eight books out already. I'm partway into book seven. I say partway because I was partway into book seven when we decided to start a podcast. Oh. And I've been busy reading other things ever since. So that I have to get it. back to it. 
Nicholas Sanbury Smith is the guy who wrote this. And he's written a whole bunch of things, mostly in the apocalyptic genre and the zombie apocalypse genre Mm -hmm. and stuff. So this is a very apocalyptic, uh, dystopian, futuristic series. Very gritty. I enjoy it. And Miles is the dog companion for one of the main characters. We love a good dog. I saw that. I shouted out to them saying, hey, I love your choice. Miles is great. Helldivers is an awesome series. Nice to meet someone else who's read it. And I tagged the author and he liked the tweet. Now, it went no further than that, (laughs) you know, but his account, he went ahead and liked our tweet. So anytime, again, an author references something, I'm like, ah, there we go. Maybe we'll cover some of his works in a future episode because you haven't spent time no, in that I genre. I definitely am going zombie to zombie apocalypse to and all this apocalyptic stuff. Out. Yeah, I'd love to take you on a journey through. With all of that, then it's time for us to get into the Great Hunt content. Yes, beginning with chapter forty-seven today. And what an awesome name! RJ is really killing it with the names. Yes, this like this end section of the book. Bam! We had, Bam! Uh, Bam. What was it last time we had Blade Master and then to come out of the shadow and now the grave is no bar to my call. Good stuff. As as Discord says, shivers. It's like, yeah, yeah. Picking up right where Rand and Huron have left Ingtar to hold off the Shanshan. So Ingtar's still alive, but they've gone. They've left. Okay, so he's he's fighting. He's probably going to die now. We're assuming he's going to die. Yeah. We never see that, but it can be death. assumed, yes. But he's he's decided to sacrifice himself to give the rest a chance to truly escape. So they've caught up with Matt and Perrin, who were at the horses now. And they're like, what's up with Ingtar? Where's Ingtar? And Rand is like kind of harsh about it. Ingtar's sacrificing himself. Let's not waste it. Let's go. Basically, don't question it. And of course, we know Rand knows more about Ingtar's decision. Yeah, he's trying not to go into that. Rand's not really that good at keeping secrets and things. His usual go-to, it seems like, especially in this book, has been be harsh and aggressive and like push people away and they'll just stop asking questions. It says something about his personality, and I would guess we're going to see that continue to have an impact as we move through the series. He maybe needs healthier ways to deal with such things. Rather than, you know, trying to shut down questions by literally shutting people down. Right. But it works this time, and that's maybe why he does it. It works. They do get on the horses and escape the city. Which is good. Rand pulls up to a halt once they are free and clear. He intends to send them on to Varen with the Horn of Valir while he goes back to Falme. See, he's feeling frustrated. Like, there's a weight on him as he's thinking of the borderland phrase that he heard from Lan, we'll repeat Death it here. is lighter than a feather. Duty, heavier than a mountain. And, and that's causing frustration because he feels so many duties right now. <laughs> Don't go there, Jim. Okay. Uh, I, I didn't. <laughs> I'm the younger one, and I was mature <laughs> enough not to do it. <laughs> There's a term when Both you're feeling you so many Jordo duties. Both you and Jordo and Disco did. Yeah. <laughs> I think I just said discode. Uh, you did. Discode. Okay. <laughs> discode to discord. <laughs> so what is he feeling pulling at him? Well, he needs to save Egwene, but he needs to take care of the horn. But he needs to deal with Pat and Fane. But he needs to make sure Matt and the dagger get back to Tarvalon for full healing. Blah! If you could just rip Rand right down the middle and send a half in each direction, neither would get anything done because the There's person would fall much. a half. Fall and he's, apart. he's thinking, why can't there be just one issue at a time? 
That's and, not how life works. Yeah, I was struck by that. Haven't we all felt that way at times? Yeah, that's literally how everyone always has to deal with and figure out. And you have to figure out your time management and your prioritization. And it's a whole mess. And most people, including myself, never really figure it out. Mm. We just try our best. And Rand, of course, let's remind everybody, is not that old. He's like 20. He's still a young man trying to figure stuff out, like I, all of us would be. I don't want to think about the fact He's that younger Rand than you. is younger than me. He's younger I don't, than you. I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> Especially when I first started this when I was nine. I don't... Wow. I don't like that. <laughs> so understanding Rand intends to return to Falme alone, he wonders out loud if... Hmm... Maybe he's going mad. This is what the people are thinking around him now. You sure? You're going to go back? I mean, you're going to run back towards the city where lightning is literally striking in the city? Yeah. Huron starts questioning him. What's going on? What, 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 this, yeah. what would this madness thing be? See, he's. He, it's important to note, Huron's sitting here, and he has no idea Rand can channel. He's just Lord Rand. But Matt, Matt and Perrin, Perrin are sitting there going... You can channel. You're saying you're going mad. Are you actually going mad? This this could be a thing. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Now, Rand, he's not going to address the question of madness to the others. He's just saying, no, I just have to return to Falme. I shouldn't have left in the first place. And an argument begins. Matt insisting that if Rand has to go back, he's not about to let him go alone. But before this can progress any further, the decision is actually taken out of their hands. Perrin points out, look! Shanshin soldiers with their strange animals. They're marching out of the city and they have pairs of Soldam and Damani and rank upon rank are basically coming right out, blocking any ability to return to Falme. Ah, good guy Perrin with his eyes, always keeping a good lookout. There you go. Now, at first they're like, wow, they're really ticked we escaped with the horn. <laughs> but they quickly realize this is not about them. They're yeah, not yeah, yeah, marching yeah. out of the city no, to that, catch them. It's that awkward moment where they look back and see, whoa, tons of soldiers. And then they look the other way. Yeah, Huron's like, no, 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 look over there, guys. Tons of soldiers. Yeah, thousands, the thousand white cloaks that we've learned about before are now marching from the other direction. 949. Huh? 949. 949. Yeah, because they lost the 50 and then they kept by our uh, off You're still side. stuck on that precision, which <laughs> surprises me when a couple means three or four to you. But suddenly you want to be Mr. Precise. <laughs> it's just really fun that they are referred to as like a thousand white cloaks. So but 949 white cloaks. But, but wait, 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 wait. Jeffrem Bornhold has a thousand white cloaks with him. So really there was a thousand But did it include him or not? No, he had okay, so we're a at thousand nine, with him. So, so we're at 950. We can be back to 950. Because it was minus about 50. <laughs> he said 50, but maybe it wasn't exactly. And wow, the one gripping more sitting to the side. deep content our listeners are getting from us right now. I mean, really, this is what I care about. So that's <laughs> oh. why I'm talking about The point is, they have a boatload of Sean Chen on one side, a boatload of white cloaks on the other and they are the filling in the oreo let's not be that kind to them they're at best a thin oreo they are who wants a thin oreo i want double stuffed they are the jelly filled donut that you forgot to fill it just has a little bit like you stuck the piping bag in there so there's a little bit of jelly but there's a lot of donut that would be a very sad thing. And this is a very sad this thing. This is a very sad thing. <laughs> so they're trapped. They can't get away. What do they do? And at this point, Matt has a brainstorm. And, you know, some people may have been thinking this for a long time. 
But Matt's the one who finally decides we should do this. He says, I'm going to blow the horn. Yeah, it's kind of like a, <laughs> eh, screw it. Let's just blow it. Yeah, he does use some logic here. He says, mm-hmm. okay, we know the Horn of Valir has to be present at the last battle, but there's nothing that says we can't use it before that. As Discord says, what's the worst that could happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're screwed right now. Can they be more screwed? Well, probably. Definitely. But that's not how Matt rolls anyway. So he blows, there. he blows the friggin' horn. And immediately, out of nowhere, a fog begins to rise. Now, that's like a fantasy trope. Okay, it is. This, this fog arrives. But when, when Jordan wrote this, it wasn't a fantasy trope yet because he was making tropes. I would like to also kind of put out here, like, yes, this is a crazy, the fog rises out of nowhere. But this is also a coastal town yeah, in this early isn't the, morning. This isn't the marine level blowing in. But it's in, still though. early this morning. Is... Like, it could theoretically be explained through natural events. And I think it's very likely that some people who hear about this will think, oh, they exaggerated the marine layer into this. Um, I don't think so. We'll talk about that by the end of this, but I don't think so. Uh, maybe just one wacko guy, and we'll talk about him too in a little bit. But okay, so this massive cloud basically is blanketing the entire land. And we're going to see right away how others are perceiving this because we shift to the White Cloaks. Jeffram Bornhald... He's heard the horn sound. Mm -hmm. He's over there with all those 950 white cloaks. What do you think it sounds like? Just a horn. Is it like like a war horn sound? Is it like a like an army bugle sound? I always kind of picture French horn or French horn. I mean, it's got the like curl, yeah, seemingly described, but it definitely doesn't have the look of a French horn kind of thing. I sure hope whatever they do is described on Amazon Prime's The Wheel of Time series. That they pick a horn sound that everybody goes, yes, and not, oh, that sounds wrong. That's all That's all I hope. I couldn't nail it down for you, but it's got to be beautiful. It's got to be right. But so, um, Jeff oh, from Bornholm. It does. It is described. All right. Feel free. Sorry. He's got the book open. It's a clear note, golden as the horn was golden. The trees around seem to resonate with it, and the ground under their feet, the sky overhead, that one long sound encompassed everything. So it's a singular note that yes. resonates very, very well and is beautiful. It's still very subjective. So that could sound like a lot of things, but it's not warbling. It's not going through different tones. It's one clear note and it reverberates, kind of hits everything. Yeah. So this is what Bornhold is hearing. He doesn't know what it is. In fact, he's hearing a horn. He's seeing all the mist click quickly rising and covering everything. And he draws the conclusion that the Shanchen are up to something because he knows they've got channelers. And this is probably something they're doing to strike at the White Cloaks or mess with the White Cloaks. It's part of their attack. You know, that's probably a fair assumption. You're wrong, but it's a fair assumption. (laughs) And with that assumption, he decides we best not give them more time to do whatever they're doing to us. So he calls for the troops to increase their speed. They move up to a trot. And even though the fog is taking over and they can't see what's ahead now, they know what's ahead. The, the Shanchen and the city. There's nothing else in the way. So right on into the fog, they'll hit them eventually. Unfortunately, that's not what happens because they hit. Well, no, that's the wrong phrase. They are hit. What happens, Zach? Well, they move into the fog and the ground starts exploding. <laughs> not quite like a minefield, but 
kind of like a minefield. That's the effect. (laughs) The Shan Chen are clearly striking at them. Yeah, men and horses go flying, or rather, pieces of men and horses go flying. People are dying quickly and badly. And Bornhald, what can he do? Well, he's committed to see this through. He's not going to retreat. He calls for the full charge, and they all advance now at a gallop. Well, not all. Now it's maybe like 667 of them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the ones that are left. Speed up full speed. What you can say about Bornhold is really that he is an honest, dedicated person. He committed to this and he sees it through. Even as he's like, yeah, there's, we run away, we die. We charge forward, we die. We stop, we die. So we're doing what we came to do. Uh, best case scenario, he's hoping some of them will make it through and do a little damage. Will die righteously. That's right. So they fly forward on their horses and they die rapidly as far as we can tell. But we don't know for sure because you can't see what's going on. (laughs) They're in the fog. The last thing we know about this group of white cloaks at this point is Bornhald's last thought. This is what it says, which tells you clearly he dies. Bornhall's last thought is regret. The child Bayar won't see him die, won't be able to report accurately to his son Dane. What's that about, Zach? Remind us why he's thinking that. Well, Jeffrey Bornholt had told child Bayar to go and watch from a safe distance, like up on a hill, and report what happens to his son, and then go and report to the head of all of the Children of the Light what happened here. But there's a massive wave of fog that is suddenly there. That's right. All he's going to know is they disappeared they into disappeared the fog. They disappeared in the fog. And there maybe were maybe explosions, explosions. But I couldn't tell you exactly what happened. That's right. By the way, they started the charge with 949. Bayar wasn't with them. No, that's why it was 949 initially, but then you said it was 1001. They lost 50 and Bayar wasn't there. So when he charges in, you include Jeff and Bornhold now into the number of 1000 and it's 950. But what I'm saying is when they were lined up and we said... Yeah, I was thousand, saying 949. They shouldn't have had 1000. They'd lost 50 before, so... 950, but really already they would have been 949 because he pulled Bayar out. Okay, let me walk you through the process of math. <laughs> no, let's not do here. it. Let's not do it. Just okay. for your sake. I was being You're cute. Ready? Stop. I don't want to have to edit this out. <laughs> Discord's fine. on my side. Let's move fine. on. <laughs> it's weird because you, you finally jumped Moving into my camp. On. <laughs> fine. Now we return to Rand and the others. So real quick, jump back. Something really bizarre is going on around the horn. They seem to be somehow higher than the ground, even though they're still on the ground, but their perceptions have been changed by the fog. Rand is able to see through the fog, even though it's so thick, and what he can see is viewed as if from a height, like he's up above everything and looking down at what's happening. So, there again, there's something weird going on. So, looking one way, he can see the final charge of the White Cloaks. And their demise. He sees the explosion, sees what's happening to them. Mm-hmm. Looking another way, he sees the city of Falme, again, down below him. Like he's way up on top of a hill or something, or floating on a cloud, for all we know. At the same time, it's like he's looking up at Falme. He, he can't explain it. We can't explain it. It's There's a very something weird strange mess, and it kind of seems like he's having a little bit of an acid trip, just in that his perception of everything is weird and skewed. Yes, what he sees in Falme is the Shan Chen are in the city and lightning is still ripping its streets. And then down by the harbor, he sees ships with men scurrying about. And, and one ship in particular, he recognizes. Yeah. He's like, that's the spray. Hey, there's Captain Veldoman. Veldoman. 
There's no way he should be able to see one individual on a boat all the way at the harbor, and yet he can clearly tell. You had no problem with them recognizing people from hundreds of feet off before, and now suddenly you have an issue with it? When did I? In the last few chapters when I was making a stink about it. (laughs) Um, You're losing me. Every time people made connections like, oh, that's a Gwen down there in the courtyard. Yeah, but, but, but this was no <laughs> way comparison. This distance is a totally different oh, thing, dude. Yeah, it's ridiculously far. It's still the same thing. Yes, I agree. Except this is a, a reason difference. see it. That there's, again, something with the fog and the horn that's causing perceptions to be like this. So he literally can see <laughs> Doman clutching his head with both hands as he stares at all the lightning and everything happening. <sighs> it's it's a strange thing. And then we take it up another notch of amazing and incredible as some riders emerge from the dense mists. Yes. The heroes of the horn. And what's weird is Rand recognizes all of them. Yes, which... How? Why? I mean, sure, these are people from stories, but you don't get pictures with the... I'm sorry, but his picture books are not accurate. Being it's able like to he rec- knows these yeah, people. Being able to recognize people like Rogosh, the Eagle Eye, Gaidal Kane, Birgitta of the Silver Bow. So you're right. We've got these heroes of the past that there are stories of, but they don't have photographs. There's maybe some drawings with the stories, but he literally knows who these people are. Others, he recognizes them by lots of different names, which mm-hmm. is weird. He knows, again, he knows who they are, but he, he knows, okay, hey, that's Michael, but also Mikkel. And that's Patrick, but also Pedrig. Uh, and that's Oscar, but also Ulthrin. What's going on here? It's a mess. And then at their head is someone he recognizes as well, Arthur Hawkwing. Crazy being able to recognize Arthur Hawkwing who's been gone for a thousand years. Now, this gets crazier. Okay, the Heroes of the Horn, they number just over a hundred. We've just named a few, but Mm -hmm. Rand recognizes this whole group. Matt's like, that's all you? (laughs) So here's this guy, he's blown the horn. (laughs) Yeah, let's get these guys to to come help us. It's supposed to call an army that will suddenly save the day and win everything? We got a thousand nine hundred forty-nine white cloaks. We got a whole city of Shan Chen and you hundred and two showed up? Yeah. I thought this horn was special. (laughs) Even if you guys are awesome, there's only that many of you. (laughs) Oh, Matt. But Hawkwing points out, okay, there are few who rise to the level of being bound to the horn like us. It's not just about being courageous. I mean, there are high standards, apparently. Apparently. And then he looks at Rand. He calls him Luce Theron. And he says, you would know all about this if you were able to remember when you're in the flesh. Okay, whoa, 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 what does that mean? What's going on there? Well, first off, we just had Arthur Hawkwing, who we've heard about, who's back by the horn, look at Rand and go, hey, you're the dragon, suck it up. More than that, he's saying, you're a hero of the horn. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. That's what he's saying. I vehemently disagree. Because he's saying... He's saying you would... No, no, he looks... He says, you know, about all these things about being bound to the horn and says to Rand, you would know all about that. Yes. If you could remember. That doesn't mean that he is that. I disagree. Oh, so disagree. This is... Okay, what episode are we? Our 46. This might be the first time we've had this epic of a divergence in our perspectives. The dragon is not a hero of the horn. This has nothing to do with him being the dragon. You went to write to the dragon, and I say this comment has nothing to do with him being the dragon. This has to do with him being a hero. You can't 
really separate those entirely. I can, and I no. am. <laughs> if we're talking about his soul, it's kind of one and the same. He is the dragon. Okay. Therefore, you're saying the dragon is a hero of a of the horn. That's what you're I'm saying. Claiming. His soul is a hero of the horn. Which is, is it the necessary dragon. that every time he's spun out, he's the dragon? Maybe there are times he's spun out when he's not the dragon. No, what I'm saying, what when his soul is spun out, it's not always Rand. It is always the dragon. No, it's always his soul. Yes, sometimes he's going to have dragon. to play the role of the dragon, but other times the pattern may not need a dragon at that moment. So again, all of this is going to be needed to be changed. No, no, this I think we can keep. I don't know. Um, hey, uh, I edit. I get to decide. <laughs> fine. But like, <laughs> we've talked about how as the pattern repeats and stuff, there are other dragons and all that <laughs> stuff. But really, there's one dragon. It just changes forms. Therefore, yes. I'd say the soul is the same. It just looks different. Yeah. So when there's a, like a female dragon... Spoiler alert, Ooh. supposedly that's a thing that can happen. Should be able to, um, I guess. It's still Rand's soul. It's the same soul. Yep. Okay, I don't know how we got to that point, but let's get back to where we are. Rand, he's hearing all this. And basically, okay, I'm going with this hero thing, but Arthur Hawkwing has confirmed he sees Rand as the dragon. And Rand, he wants to deny any of this stuff, as he has many times before. Yeah. But he Every also time. recognizes, okay, that would waste time. We don't have time to waste. And he says to them, thanks for being here. Nice meeting you. Okay, we need to drive back the Shan-Chan. Okay, they are bad news, including that they've got chained Aes Sedai that they use in battle. Yes. And you need to save Egwene. Okay, now those two needs are totally different levels. You've got massive army, bad guys. Oh, and there's this one girl. Or are they different levels? <laughs> well, the heroes think it's different levels because they start chuckling. Number of them behind Arto Hawkwing and Brigida fondly states, yeah, you always choose women who cause you trouble, Luce Theron. Again, calling him Luce Theron. Is a thing. The heroes agree, though. They will drive off the Shanchen, all 102 of them. I just randomly picked 102 because there's more than 100. Yeah, I feel like there's got to be a lot. Are the heroes 102 or the Shanchen are 102? Your pronoun game was weird there. Uh, the heroes. Gotcha. I thought you were saying the heroes were driving off 102 Shanchen. There's not Shanchen. 102 Shanchen. <laughs> I'm like, there's, there's way, way more, more than that. Way more. All right, we're gonna, we'll take care <laughs> of them. No problem. But before we can do that, Hawkwing notes, I feel something holding us back. Yeah. And then he rounds on Rand. He says, do you have it? Is it safe? Oh, sorry. Wrong. Wrong series. Is it secret? Is it safe? <laughs> yeah. There we go. No, he's, do you have the banner? As and luck Rand's so like, happens, I he do. does. You know, he was told at one point it may save his life. Ta-da! Here and we go. And since they ran out of the city, got back to their horses that had their packs and stuff, he's got it in the bag there. He pulls out the dragon banner. The heroes, they have come at the call of the horn, but Arthur Hawkwing says we must follow the banner and the dragon. Huron hears this, and he's like, what? Because that's the first he's hearing. Bluntly, the confirmation, this is the dragon. Lord Rand, I've been hanging with, following with, palling up with, kowtowing to, whatever. He's the yeah. friggin' dragon reborn? This does feel like a little bit of like unnecessary red tape, as they're like, hey, we recognize you. You're the dragon. By the way, do you have your uh, parking validated? <laughs> <laughs> hey, RJ writes the book. He can make the rules. That's how it works. He needed the banner. All right. Matt, he also has a response here. 
burn me. It's true. Burn me. Count on Matt for some swearing. There you go. Eh, it's pretty weak on the swears. Should have said mother's milk in a cup. Is that what you mean? I don't know. Burn me just like doesn't feel that aggressive. It just feels like kind of aggressive. It feels more like a man. Damn. So that's where you're going. Because Jordo asked in the Discord. So which swear would burn be? So you're saying. Eh, I'm like, saying burn damn. me is like damn it. All right. That's fair. And I think you can like tack on like burn me to Shea Ghoul or whatever. And that'd be like. Yeah. Damn it all the hell. Gotcha. Well, Perrin, more practical as usual, he's over there with his horse. He hops off the horse, walks to a nearby tree, chops off a branch with that handy-dandy axe he carries with him. Hmm. Interesting. Trims it of its side branches, brings it over, something to use for the banner. And he attaches the banner to it, and ta-da! Perrin becomes the banner man. That's fast and kind of impressive that you got it that fast. You know, hey, blacksmiths. They're, they're cool. He also apparently was a Boy Scout and knows how to tie knots on that flag really quickly and easily. Be prepared. That's Perrin's motto. Now all is ready. Looking around, Rand can still see Falme laid out below them and the White Cloak still dying in a display of the one power. Wait a second. What? Eh. It's like no time has passed. We just hit pause. They're like in this little special bubble. At Hawkwing's request, Matt blows the horn again. Again and again, he plays them into battle. They all heal their horses. That is not the tune he plays, but... It might as well be. It makes one note, remember? Yeah, so, but, but you know... It doesn't have the same charm. Can you name what I was doing? Yeah. What's it called? Um, Something of the Valkyries. I'll take it. Good enough. You, you knew it was what Valkyries. It? Yeah. I believe it's Ride of the Valkyries. Ride of the Valkyries. I also know it's by Richard Wagner, mm-hmm. the only I wonderful own. German opera writer. I almost got a chance to actually oh, see that Oh, I just opera. offended our German listeners. Yeah, that's they like other opera also people. False. I, I, I <laughs> had a chance to see that opera and missed it by like 30 minutes or something. Uh, Dämmerung. That's the Granted, name of it, right? The whole opera? I don't remember. I think it is. It's five hours. <laughs> and you won't understand At most least. of it. I mean, you studied German, but still. I would have been okay i can go and listen to an english uh, opera and not understand half of it probably but i know uh, are we, there any we, english operas y- yes they're italian they're german probably. there are english written ones i just don't know if they're in the english language we'll find out at some point this would be called a tangent there are operettas yes that are english yes yes there are so no time has passed back on track Phantom of the opera count as an opera no <laughs> trying to get back on track <laughs> He's playing them into battle, Matt is, and they all charge. As they do so, the fog seems to thicken even further. Yes. Until Rand can't see the heroes anymore. He can only see Perrin, Matt, here and around him. And then as they keep going, he can't even see them. It's like Rand is riding alone. But then he does see someone else. Right in front of him, Baalzaman appears. Well, that's sudden. His horse rears wildly, and Rand is thrown from the saddle, just barely managing to hang on to his Heronmark's sword. Oddly, though, as he lands, it's not like <clears throat> hitting the ground. It's like he just stops flying through the air. Yeah, no. It's a really weird, almost magical situation we find ourselves in. Discord asked, is this like a dream shard now? Has he pulled him into a special place again? And I don't think so. I can't explain what's about to happen. I think it is magical in some way, but I would say not a dream shard because 
and this comes up later, they're seen. I'd argue potentially dream world, though. And I'll save that for being in my spoiler room thing. Ah, okay. I potentially could say this is, again, part of whatever has been done by the horn, and that this is part of what the wheel is weaving at this time through the magic of the horn. That's just my thought. And I also will say this is going to make friggin' great television if they do this right. When they get to this point in Amazon series. Or it will look really bad. No, please no. I hope not. Okay. (laughs) So he's been thrown from the horse, but he's just fine. And his horse is gone now. All he sees is Balsamon. Or Ballsy for short, because that's cool. It's easier to say than Balsamon as well. It's not really cool. I'm going to practice saying Balsamon, but Ballsy. (laughs) It he just, is rather ballsy, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's it's specific. Rand climbs to his feet. It's a one-on-one confrontation, and, and yet Rand can still sense somehow that the heroes in the distance are meeting the Shanjin with Perrin, Matt, and Huron among them. And though overwhelmed, I mean, again, 102, mm-hmm. uh, 105, you throw the guys in, against hordes, rank upon rank of Shanjin, and yet they're pushing the Shanjin back. In my brain... The already existing, like, theatrical depiction of this is when Aragorn kind of has that army of the dead come sweeping through and just slaughters nice, army. That's nice. the Heroes of the Horn. That's what we're seeing They're happen. unstoppable. They're forcing the Shanshin back. That's working well. Not quite like No, it's Lord not the, the exact so. same system. Like, I touch you, you theory, die. Not like that. But it's that idea of these, like, almost slightly spectral people who come through and just whoosh. So thankful for knowing that that's happening, he turns his full attention, Ran turns his full attention to Balsamon and assumes the void, reaches for the true source, because this is what you got to do when you're up against this guy. He's one-on-one with the Dark One again, so what do I do? Rand, of course, doesn't really want to do anything with Balsamon because he's got not one really. person on his mind right now, and it's not Balsamon, it's Egwene. He's still thinking, I need to save Egwene. He's got a one-track mind. He does. Sucker for a woman. But uh, Balsman, he's not going to let Rand get away. He's not going to let him push past. Nah, he's like, you stand here and we fight. That's right. He's got a staff with him and he's ready to use it to do some thumping if necessary. Rand, he's got his sword and he tries to fight his way past. But Balsman, he counters each swing. Mm-hmm. And he's also jabbing with words as they have this little tete-a-tete. Rand is Luz Theron, is one of the things that is clear. He says, not only that, you belong to me, whether alive or dead. Well, that's ominous. Ooh, yeah. We also hear that Baalzman thinks Rand sounded the Horn of Valir. Now, this is that's important. That's not true. This is not true. We know that. So it proves to Rand he has the realization Balzi doesn't know yeah. everything. We already did know that because he's messed up a thing here or there, or he didn't know which boy was which. But it hadn't clicked for Rand yet. Rand now realizes Right at this it. moment, he doesn't know everything. He just thinks he knows everything. Okay. Baalzaman refers to the one power filling Rand and says, you know, that's going to kill you unless you allow me to train you to teach you how to control it, mm-hmm. which I will do if you willingly serve me. Now, to a lot of people, that would probably be tempting. Mm-hmm. Rand's just thinking about Egwene. He don't care. Yep. So he literally just, like, I don't think he says anything. He just attacks. Well, he responds exactly that. You're exactly right. He responds with another attack. But Alzman, yeah, he just blocks the things again and responds even stronger. So Rand is pushed onto the defensive. Mm-hmm. 
And as he's retreating, he notes with his peripheral sense that the heroes fighting the Shanchen are also retreating. They're falling back. The Shanchen are advancing. And as Rand and Baalzaman continue to duel, picture them going back and forth across the room, he sees that the same thing is happening down below. He realizes whatever's going on here, we're linked. That there is some reflection in this. As Rand wins, is winning, so are the heroes. As Rand is defensively backing up, the Shanchen are advancing. Huh. And now, Baalzaman drops a comment that to me suggests a clear part he has played in recent events. Okay. He says, they will not save you. Those who might save you will be carried far across the Aerith Ocean. If ever you see them again, they will be collared slaves and they will destroy you for their new masters. Okay, what is he actually referring to, Zach? Well, I mean, he's clearly talking about the idea of Damane being... <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing at Discord. Jordo says, obviously, Balzi hasn't checked his voice messages from Suroth. So, Damane, who got <laughs> been collared and stuff, specifically in this case, this weird plot that had people close to him get taken across the uh, ways, brought over here, some of them, Egwene, collared and going to be sent across the Earth Ocean... This shows mess. clearly it was Baalzaman that Suroth and Leandrin yeah. had referred they to talked as about, that like, master, this they, master were they were scared of and stuff. Apparently, yep. Baalzaman ordered the hit. But he hasn't checked his voice messages. No, so he, he doesn't it know it has worked out the way they would he do thought. It. That's right. It's that sort of thing of like, you tell people to do it and you assume they can do their freaking job. So these things, these these revelations and information, they're all adding up for Rand. So as the fight continues, he goes, ding! Okay, and here's another piece of it that puts him to the final, really significant connection. He sees as they're fighting that Baalzman is afraid of Rand's sword. He's like really attentive to where the swings are coming and make sure he blocks every one. And he does. He's skillful. Rand hasn't been able to land a blow. Yeah. But wait a second. Steel can't hurt the Dark One. So this can't be... The Dark One. He has thought all the way up to this point he's facing the Dark One, and now he realizes whoever this is... Can't be. It is not the Dark One. That's huge to have that final recognition. He thought he killed the Dark One last book. He's now realized, one, he didn't kill him. Two, it wasn't even the Dark One. Wasn't even. Rand, at least you got there. It took your whole book to realize it, but you got there. And with that recognition... He makes a decision that brings peace to him. He goes, there is a way I can save Egwene, and I can save the others. He just has to win. Yeah, I just got to take this guy out again, and and for real this time. As you pointed out in our previous episode, where many episodes back now in The Eye of the World, where he took him out, we didn't see him die. No. He faded away, you know, and, and Ran went to black, you know, so... He, he had struck him and, and burn up, but we didn't see a body. You know, there's nothing left. So, okay, I need to really kill him this time. So, here's what he does. I love this. He strikes a grin and he takes the crane kick position. Okay, it's not, not the crane kick. Not at all. But a heron is like a crane, okay? He takes the heron waiting in the rushes position. But this if you know one... what I'm talking about, the crane oh. kick. This is from Karate Kid. But this is the one that... Ingtar had been like, why do you do that? that that's just for ba- balance. It'll leave you horribly Which open. Which is what the crane kick position is for. And yes, this is just for balance. It is leaving <laughs> him totally open. 
Yep. But so open that your enemy will have yeah. to strike. You might be able definitely to land a blow, at but you. you're going to get hit. That's right. So he's accepting he's going to be hit, but it will allow him to land a massive hit. That's what it's going to draw. So he's willing to do it. And he's thinking of what Lan told him in Faldara when they last parted, that there will come a time when you will want something so great that you will be willing to even give your life for it. And he told him, sheathing the sword. In your own body. Yep. Now, so this, this is isn't it. exactly this is the a time. sword. It's more like sheathing the staff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Come on, don't mess with the metaphors. Balsamon, he sees Rand take this position. He's like, and grinning. Like, what? What are you doing? <laughs> Rand declares, I have never served you. I don't care what you say. I know it. And then we get a Matrix moment. Here's another call out to a, fa- a sci-fi fantasy movie. All right. He's like, Come, it is time to die. And I so see him with the fingers twitching. That's fair. <laughs> it's great. Ballsy shouts, then die, worm, and strikes with his, yes, yeah, staff. So he doesn't have a sword. But it's, it's like a staff spear. he's been blocking. But he stabs him with it like it's a spear. This staff is either kind of sharp, or this is, like, magical, or he's just really, really aggressively stabbing. Well, now, hold on. If you get hit with a blunt object hard enough, it will pierce the skin. That's truth. But that's why I'm like, he'd have to be really, really hard, because I'm imagining this staff's pretty big around. Mm-hmm. It's going to have to be really hard. To and I think that's exactly what happens, because he's wide open. So like, almost wham! inhumanly hard. Right in his side. And it says it pierces Rand's side. And as he's done that, Rand has his opening and drives his Heronmark blade into Baalzaman's heart. And Baalzaman screams and the world seems to explode into fire. And then end of chapter. End of episode. Now, quick little side thing for... <laughs> and, and see, Discord, we cannot say this out loud. He acknowledges. He no, just dropped a spoiler but... into Discord. And those of you who didn't cho- choose to join us live for this recording... You but can't I, see it. What I will ah, say ha, 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 ha. for both <laughs> theatrical purposes and just because it'd be cool. You are and stuff, right, Jordo. I imagine seeing when this is done that like the sword <laughs> and staff, they're like they're clashing together and you see like sparks flying and it's like there's something crazy magical because we already know there's something crazy magical linking these two fights, whatever's going on. Totally go for it. Make it look like these things are some crazy magic fight. It sounds cool. Well, again, it's kind of like fade to black, end of chapter. I figured that's a good place to end the episode. No, we still have like two more. (laughs) There's no way we could ever do that to them. Really? (laughs) Leave it right there? No, no. It would be a terrible place. So let's go further. These ones will be shorter. It's true. That's just because they're written shorter. We do leave Rand, though. That POV gets switched out. For now. So we're not going to find out exactly what happens for a little bit. Instead, chapter 48... First claiming, another great name to a chapter. I call dibs. It jumps over to Min's POV, moving through the people of Falme, all now either staring in shock, screaming hysterically, or running aimlessly. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, there's reasons for that. We'll get to that. She has no idea what has happened to Egwene, Elaine, and Nynaeve. Remember the last we saw them? Fireball explosions. They're all scattering. Okay, but at this point, she's not in touch with any of them. Which is unfortunate, because I thought what we'd last seen, she'd split, and there were, like, two and two, and, yeah, no, that's even split more now. Yep. 
What she does know is the majority of remaining Shanchen in Falme, they're not really in Falme anymore. They're on ships fleeing to the west as fast as they can. They're using their demonic to make wins. We got to get out of here. She also can see Bail Doman's ship, the Spray, finally leaving the harbor. And good. she's like, good on you, dude, that you waited that long. And I don't blame you for getting out now. Yeah, I would have liked to be on that, that ship. But we don't right. know what the, that is, but pretty cool. Before she turns her gaze away from the harbor, she notes one last Shanchen ship still in the harbor, creeping towards the exit. It clearly had been on fire, but they've gotten it under control. And then she sees a silver figure on horseback near the water's edge, a figure that proceeds to ride toward the ship on the water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it lifts a bow and fires a silver streak at the ship that <laughs> sets it ablaze again with a roar. The ship continues out of the harbor, trying to put out a fire again. What's the significance of this? Well, let's I mean, just start with... You know, Min believes she's just seen one of the heroes of the horn. Yeah, and let's just be real here. It sounds like she's probably right from what we've seen and heard in the previous chapter. I mean, we got told Birgitta of the silver bow, and this silver horse rides out and fires an arrow that makes it explode. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yep. So, okay, she's seen Birgitta. She's seen Arthur Hawkwing. Somehow she knows, too, that what she's seen is Arthur Hawkwing heroes maybe he just goes around and says i'm archer hawkwing he's got a name tag hi my name is archer hawkwing (laughs) how can i help you and we get the impression though that she's seen something else that has shaken her way more than heroes of the horn she's seen a lot of things it's a little funky she's slightly doubting her reality but you know but rather than continue to muddle through what people saw, but they're reacting to, but we don't want to tell you yet, let's just spill the beans, okay? Because it's going to be clarified in the next chapter. What did men see besides the heroes? Well, specifically what we're talking about here is displayed across the sky, the fight that we just saw, basically. And predominantly being able to see Belzaman and Rand's faces, even, as they have this big fight in the sky. And as far as it looks to the average person... It looks like some dude fighting the Dark One. That's what it looks like. Kinda. Of course, she knows, hey, that dude, I know that dude. (laughs) He's a farmer. So, Min, seeing all that stuff that's been happening down in the harbor, let's clarify, she is not heading for the harbor. She's going the complete opposite direction. Yep. Because she feels something pulling her. She doesn't understand, but she has to answer. She's like, fine, I'll go with it. Tug. Yeah, I, I have to go with it. And she ends up in a garden behind one of the tall stone buildings where she finds Rand, sprawled on his back, face pale, eyes closed, left hand holding what's left of his sword, only about a foot of it, and it appears to have melted at the end. Steel, melted. Now, when we say a foot of it, we are we saying a foot of the blade or yes. just a foot of it, period? Foot of the blade. Because the hilt itself is probably about a foot. Cause it's I imagined a it was the sword. foot of the blade. So it's a little dirk now instead of a sword. And he's breathing, but slowly. She notices way too slowly. Something's wrong. So she goes to him, see what she can do. And she starts by, you know, removing the sword. That It's all like this melted off part kind of has sharp jaggedness. And what if he twitches in his sleep or something and hurts himself? So yeah. let's get this out of his hand. And ew, she finds it's branded 
That's his, just, the his... whole thing got very hot. Yeah, so when she pulls it out of his hand, he has a heroin mark right there in his left palm. Ouch. But that's not what's really wrong with him. No, she sees a number of cuts and bruises all over the body, but nothing recent. A lot of the cuts have closed. The bruises are yellow, not purple. Those would be, we know, from his fight earlier with Turok. Or even some of them even older. He's been a, num- a number of scrapes. Perhaps. Some of these are even older. Some of them are from Turok. Some of them might even be from now, but they're minor. And so she... But still, none of that explains why he's like breathing so slow and yeah. in such bad shape. And I mean, like... The burn with his hand that she saw, that's probably the worst thing that she's found yet. But it's something so far on an extremity, it shouldn't affect his coreness that much yet. And so she keeps looking. Mm-hmm. And, and she does find another wound. And it's a, it's a doozy. <laughs> that's a good word for it. In his side, she finds, well, she sees a spot where his clothing appears to have been burned through. Mm-hmm. A little hole. And she pulls that stuff away... And she finds, yeah, there's this round mark on his left side, and it's a burn, but it's cauterized itself, so it's not bleeding or anything. What I basically can describe and say here is that Rand looks like it didn't he didn't get stabbed all the way through, but he got like partially stabbed with a lightsaber. That is a good comparison. I like that. And instantly cauterized. How big do you think this thing is? We're talking oh. like two inches around, one inch around. I guess five inches around. I guesstimate in its full size, about the size of a fist. Hmm. The worst central part of it, I would say, is probably a little bigger than a quarter, maybe a half dollar, silver dollar kind of thing. And yeah. then it has like blistering and scarring around it that goes to about the size of a fist. See, I'm going about an inch diameter, like a, a good staff, a thickness of a staff. That's that's what I picture. I don't think it's completely separated to just the size of the staff. I, I think there's going to be scarring around the wound. Okay. You're going to be very hard-pressed in reality to find an injury that just hurts the spot where something touches and not things around that space. Now, exploring this, she touches him and discovers he's ice cold, which probably explains the slowness of the breath. So, like, bodies aren't supposed to be cold. No. All of his body warmth appears to have been sucked away. I joke that I'm a, I am run cold. I'm a good, like, degree <laughs> colder than I'm supposed to. He's got to be, like, three to five. And that's something that in and of itself could kill you. He went through a cryogenic process. Well, he's not that cold. <laughs> Anyways, Min realizes, okay, what I need to do is get him warm somehow. That's the most important thing. I, I, you know, I have no ability to heal him. So, okay, I got to get him warm. Mm -hmm. Job one. So she drags him up the back stairs of the house where this garden is. She finds a bedroom. She gets him into the bed and covers him up. Now, this is not easy. Remember, he is a big dude and she is a slight petite little woman. This is hard work. And she grumbles about it all the way. It's like, why do you have to be such a big hairy ox? Yeah. <laughs> she's got this talking to herself thing going on. She's talking to Rand, but he can't hear anything. So she's really just yapping. Now, but it a, allows her to keep moving. It is a good thing that Min isn't a doctor. She knows some basic like survival things, but she's not a doctor. Because Jordo putting in the Discord is right. Don't move bodies. If you find bodies, you don't know what's wrong with it. Don't do it. It could but, be a spinal injury. Uh, yes and no. I've taken the first aid classes. If there is a body and it's in a situation 
where to do nothing because you might hurt a spinal injury means the person will die anyways. Do what you need to do to make sure the person doesn't die anyways. Yes, carrying them into the house, up the stairs, and into a bed is not what you need to need to do to keep them from dying. She needed to get him warm. He needs a bed. That's what her mind went to, okay? I I see what you're saying, because you have medical training. I get you. And and Jordo, he's commenting on better things she could have done because it's he's logical. not under stress and pressure at the heat of a moment. And I understand you can think calmly that right now. My only point here is to go. <laughs> Min is not a medical professional. No, she's and don't not. take her example as something you should do in real life. <laughs> okay. Yes, this is not first aid advice, everybody. This is fantasy. So she gets him into the bed. Everything's good, except then she checks him under the blankets, and he's still super cold. He has no body heat to warm up under Mm -hmm. the blankets. Blankets are great for insulating. However, that just means they keep your cold in or your heat in, getting you hotter or just average. It's going to keep your temperature from really changing what other things are. Yep. So in this case, it doesn't help at all. So at this point, she's like, (sighs) and climbs in under the blankets with him snuggling up, wriggling nice and close to share her body heat. Why the... <sighs> well, she doesn't want to have to crawl into bed with him, but no, more no. importantly... She kind of does. She kind of does, but it's like, this isn't the situation <laughs> to do that. That's that's really not yeah. time and place. And it's like, it's a really obvious sign that, come on, the pattern is forcing this. Yes. Now, if she knew her first aid better... She would have taken her clothes off and her clothes off because that would have warmed him well, up faster. She you would have learned that as a technique. She would have cut his clothes off and then taken hers off. It probably wouldn't have needed to cut his clothes off because she doesn't know the first aid to that level. So she doesn't have any problem with manipulating his body. I'm just if you were trying body. to take it off, you wouldn't want to completely manipulate Everything. But again, she already dragged him upstairs if out of the garden. If she so. knows enough to take her clothes off, I think she knows <laughs> enough to cut his off. But in this case, we're not going that far. Nobody's stripping. She's just getting under the blankets. She has body heat, and that will help him. That's what we're talking about here. She's cuddling for warmth, though. She really thinks he needs an eye sedai to heal him. That's true. But she believes by the time she could find Nynaeve or, or anyone who might be able to do some healing, he'd be dead. So she needs to stay right here and get him warm. While lying there, she talks to him. Again, he's unconscious. He can't hear anything. So she's really just talking out loud. But we get to hear her admitting she's fallen for him. She's acknowledging, I'm in love. No chance. No way. I won't say it. No, (laughs) no. no. (laughs) Okay, you guys get to figure out where that one came from. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure we've got enough Disney fans. Someone will know. I don't think we should speculate. I mean, we know where it came from. But if we get it wrong, we'll hear all the corrections again. Like when we got Music Man wrong. That, that oh, one's fine. You blew I can it say, now. No, now I can they, say it. They could have guessed. Yeah, but you, you made us sound like them. we were doubting ourselves Man, and being dumb. I'll edit that out. We're not that dumb. It'll be it's beep is what you guys will hear now because I'm gonna edit that out. Ooh. I want you to guess where it came He'll from. He'll do that sound effect, but beep. not some of the other ones. I'm still waiting for the reverb on the spoiler room. <laughs> it's not good enough for the reverb yet. You have Ouch. to do better. Do Ouch. better. Do better. So we've got that drop. She's not happy that she's in love. She's acknowledging the fact that this is the pattern, the wheel. 
she saw it as a vision. She was going to fall in love with him, and she's acknowledging, I'm in love with you. You're not my kind of guy. I don't want to be in love with you, but I am in love with you. Right on cue. This is when... um, Egwene walks into the room. Which, again, kind of crazy, because Egwene doesn't know they're there, but she also felt pulled. pulled. And she finds them cuddled up, and a surprised, oh, comes out of her mouth. What was the name of the chapter again? Uh, first claiming. Yeah. Min got her, Dibs. got him first. Yeah, that's right. Because here's a Glane, a Glane too, to, you know, claim him. Nah, it's a Glane. Glane, nice. Min instantly blushes being caught in bed that's with Rand. That's good. That'll increase her body heat and help save Rand's life. <laughs> Egwene says, I, you know, I I felt this pull, and Elaine felt it too. Nynaeve didn't feel it, but we both felt we needed to come here, and Rand was tugging. Um, so they've got the horses, um, and, and even Bella. And then she realizes, you don't need to know all this. I'm rambling. <laughs> she feels awkward. And then she shifts. Egwene, she shifts her topic, and she says, Min, you know what he is, don't this you know? This conversation fails the Bechdel test. Because it's all about Horribly. A it's literally two women in a room talking about a man. Two women? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Emmeline is going to love this one. She just fine. talked about you in Discord. Emmeline is our first-time reader who's just moved into our podcasts because she finished The Eye of the World and she's now started The Great Hunt. But she commented on episode five how much she loves our banter back and forth and particularly... Yeah, I'd never thought about how the first sit in, the first con ah, I can't speak. Yeah, that's very strange. <laughs> Do you want me to say women from now on? Women? <laughs> no, no. I I can't remember um sections of words are called syllable. Thank you. Wow, I couldn't get it out. My brain's getting old. She's like I, I never thought about how the first syllable of woman and women changes. But you're right. And it's funny. I was laughing out loud listening to you two argue about it. Let me talk how I talk. Women. It's ingrained. You're not changing me on this. People <laughs> understand. Failed. People understand what I say. <laughs> it's just if you're choosing to be nitpicky on it. It's Anyways. also entertaining to argue about. So, uh, Gwen has made this statement to men. You know, you know what he is, don't you now? Which is, of course, a reference to what they all saw in the sky. They Everybody know what he saw, is. At the very least, he channels more likely. Come on. Everybody's like, he's the dragon, right? He's the dragon. There's a few lines of dialogue between the two of them. And I felt rather than explaining it, it would be better just to read it. Gasp. So I'm going to read this out loud. We hear, I know from Min. Min wanted to take her arm from under Rand's head, but... She could not make herself move. Been there. I th- <laughs> yeah. I think I do, anyway. Whatever he is, he's hurt. I can do nothing for him except keep him warm. Uh, maybe Nynaeve can. And Egwene replies... Oh, you wanted this as a dramatic yeah, read? Yeah, uh, sort of. Just, I don't want to be all the voice. Go ahead and read Egwene. Min, you know, you do know he cannot marry. He isn't safe. For any of us, Min. Speak for yourself, Min said. And she pulled Rand's face against her breast. Like, dude, sorry you're unconscious. (laughs) It's like Elaine said, you tossed him aside for the White Tower. What should you care if I pick him up? Egwene looked at her for what seemed a long time. Not at Rand, 
Not at all. Only at her. And she feels her face growing hotter and wanted to look away, but she could not. I will bring Nynaeve, Egwene said finally, and walked out of the room with her back straight and her head high. <laughs> now, we know what they're talking about. Yep. But I just look at this and go, this is two women talking about how a man is not housebroken yet. That That's what it looks like. This is They're treating him like a dog who is going to pee all over their furniture. Like, I know that that's <laughs> not what this is. No, not at all. But But that's the vibe I get. He's not a dog. No, he's not. As she leaves, Min returns to speaking to the unconscious. Not a dog. <laughs> and we learn a few more things. This is all as her reading had told her would happen. Yep. She, Including that she knew Egwene wasn't for Rand. Rand wasn't for Egwene, remember. She knows she loves Rand. This is a thing of the pattern. She didn't even really have a choice. It was destiny, but it is still mm-hmm. love. All books she's been kind of telling herself, no, like, I don't even want this. I know I'm stuck with it, but I don't even want this. And at this point, she's like, yeah, but he's hot. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's more than that. Sure. Alas, she doesn't know if Rand will love her back. She also knows there will be two others who will come to love Rand, and that all three of them will be tied to him. And she says out loud, it may not be your fault, Rand, but it isn't fair. (laughs) And then she's surprised by a response. She hears, not Randall Thor. Loose Theron Telamon, the dragon reborn. Lady, and, you gotta stop eavesdropping. And Min looks up and sees this lady, the most beautiful woman she's ever seen. Yeah, we've heard that before. We have. Pale, smooth skin, long black hair, eyes dark as night, dressed in the brightest of white with a silver belt and silver jewelry. Who have we seen dressed like that? The Lady Selene. We have. But this person, she comes over to stand by the bed. She smooths Rand's hair and Min's like, feels his jealousy. She says, who are you? And she hears from this woman, Lanfear. Oh, mic drop. Yeah, it's just kind of that casual moment of just like, who are you? Oh, I'm someone who could kill you with a glance. Yeah, there's only one person in all of the world named Lanfear because no one would name their child Lanfear. This is the name of one of the Forsaken. Are you saying this is our Adolf? Yes, but there's 13 Adolfs in this world. Nobody names their child Lanfear. Nobody names their child Balthamel. Also, if you do have a child named Adolf, that's totally fine and okay. It's just kind of the go-to of an atrocious person act thing. On, on a more minor version as teachers, I had children that were very difficult. Oh, yeah. No, I have a whole list of names of people that I cannot name Haven't a kid. worked in childcare yep. now. Exactly. You, you get these these visions attached to the certain The nightmare names. children are the ones who you cannot name your child after. <laughs> it's, it is what it is. I remember being told that... Uh, no, I can't say that just in case someone who... Uh, that <laughs> we child don't want someone who was a former student of mine to of listen. Yours. Exactly. <laughs> just in case. Let's not peg any of those children. Thank you. Sensitivity <laughs> are us. Okay, so she's freaking out a little bit to realize she's before one of the Forsaken. And men hear some powerful things out of her mouth. First, she says, Lanfear says, He doesn't believe yet, I think. He knows, but he does not believe. I have guided his steps, pushed him, pulled him, enticed him. He was always stubborn, but this time I will shape him. 
Good luck with that. Shamael thinks he controls events, but I do. Good luck with that. <laughs> and then Lanfear tells Min that Luz Theron belongs to her, and that Min may take care of him until she returns. And then poof, she's gone. So are they in an open relationship? <laughs> <laughs> So there's a lot in that statement. We really can't break it down much more because it would be too Spoiler spoilery. Light. But we're emphasizing, hey, that's kind of important, what she says. And that's why I repeated it. Yep, there's lots in there. The chapter ends with a last paragraph where we have a POV switch to Child Byar, the one white last cloaks. remaining white cloak in the region. He's galloping away from Falme with the news of all he saw. And that news must now be carried to Dane Bornhald. And then to Pedra Nile, the Lord Captain Commander of the Children of the Light, as Bayar was commanded. And what does Bayar believe he saw, Zach? Well, I think this is partially important to go, yes, it's what he believes he saw. It's also just what he believes happened, because we know he couldn't actually see most of it. Right. So he put context clues together and yes. came up with that this entire legion of the Children of the Light are dead. They've been betrayed by dark friends, including Perrin Ibarra of the Two Rivers. That's right. We saw that Perrin. So he must be a part of it. Absolutely. And he also has to tell what he saw over in the sky in Falme. This is where we still don't really know yet, but we've already explained what happened. But he needs to relay that to the Lord Captain Commander of the Children of Light as well, because that's also huge. And that's where chapter 48 ends. So where the first chapter took us... With our opening notes, almost an hour. This one took us 20 minutes. So, yes, oh, a little good. shorter. A little and shorter. This next one will take us another hour. No, no. <laughs> Chapter 49 is titled, What Was Meant to Be. Sees us returning to Rand's perspective after the passing of some time. How much? Well, we're going to find out. Rand, he just wakes up. He's been unconscious since that battle with Balsamon. And learns it's been five full days. He wakes to discover men nearby watching him and... He's surprised to see her in a dress. When was the last time Rand actually saw Min? Pretty sure it was Barillon. Yeah. So this it's girl in the been, breaches. It's been months, and, and yet, he had a couple poignant conversations with her over a span of two days. But he recognizes her and recognizes she's wearing a dress. That's not how I saw you before. <laughs> He's a little disoriented, and he tries to piece things together from a conversation he now has with Min. Yes. So through this, we learn, like I said, five days it's been. During those five days, they've journeyed east from Falme. Mm -hmm. okay, so they're five days out of Falme. Nynaeve, Elaine, Min, Egwene, they'd all been there in Falme. Yes. While he slept, Varen has headed back to Tarvalon with Matt, along with Egwene, Nynaeve, and Huron. The girls, they're going back to continue their training in the White Tower. And Matt needs to go back with that dagger to go get healed for reals. And also they took the Horn of Alir with them. Because why not? Uh, he learns that he's got a new heron mark in his palm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> his left palm. And remember, he already had one in his right. And so he he's discovering the burn brand that Min found last time. But we also remember he also had the other one on his other hand from during that dream sequence. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, kind of disturbed to see those two heron marks now. Because he's thinking back to the, the prophecies of the dragon, the Koreathon cycle, that he had Tom recite for him. Something about twice and twice shall he be marked, once the heron to set his path, twice the heron to name him true. 
which screams that you are the friggin' Dragon Reborn, dude. It's like he's wearing the proof. I mean, also all the people calling him loose there and probably was a really uh, big sign. Kind of a clue. At this point, he discovers Moraine is also here now. She walks up to him. She's... Oh, he does discover. We didn't mention he's been stabbed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's got this wound. <laughs> and actually, this wound is a nasty wound. And he learns from Moraine that he probably would have died from the wound, except Nynaeve did do something. She was upset. But she wasn't able to completely heal it. Nope. And neither was Varen or Moraine. They've done what they can to it, but there's something unnatural about this wound. They, they don't understand it entirely. It's going to have to just be left to heal on its own the rest of the way. I have a very minor question about that that I don't think needs to be cut. But is, is this a function of the wound, do you think? Because that's what I've always thought. But also, like, I vaguely think I remember something along the line of if you do something and, like, heal, then once it's been healed, it can't be healed again further or something. There is something to, after a passage of time, like with Tom and his bum leg. Yeah. You can't once heal something after. Once healed, right. it can't be fixed. It's more just, yeah. it is what it is now. That's the new set to be healed, too, or something. So I don't know which if both of those are in play yeah, or if it's just the one. Anyways, what's Moraine been up to? Because we hadn't seen her for chapters and chapters and chapters. Yeah, the last we saw Moraine, she was with Adelais and Vandine, right? That's correct, right? And That's that so Drakkar far attack. away. Yeah. She says, I've been around and I've been about and I've been all over Tome and Head here. I've even been in Falme. She has had months <laughs> to be around. She says, I did what I could when I got here and saw how things were. I failed to rescue two sisters who have been taken away, collared by the Shanchen. But she didn't, she didn't get collared. That's good. Yeah. And Rand, honestly, he's frustrated with Moraine. He's, he'd rather not see her there. He's like, you said I was free, that I was left to my own choices. And then you send Varen to shepherd me. I'm no sheep, Moraine. And Moraine responds that, um... Uh, yeah, I didn't send Varen. That was all her. She uh, she did that on her own. That's really important. It's really significant. Um, And that's all we're going to say. That's right. Spoiler light. We won't tell you why that's important. But we do want you to realize and remember that Moraine just said she didn't send Varen. So let's quickly instead jump through this exposition and tell you the highlights. The too long didn't read. You the, know what? You know what? that, right? What did you just say? TLDR. Too no. long didn't read too long didn't read often when you like send an email or text that's really 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 long at the bottom you put like a small couple sentence or paragraph thing that summarizes everything and with the most important key points so that if someone just skips through and doesn't actually bother reading it they still get the gist enough that they know anything that they need to know i've never heard of that and i wouldn't do that because everything i send is absolutely critical and they must read it you see that's great i don't have faith <laughs> in people to actually read it <laughs> Uh, especially and I'm of the, I love them I love them so I'm much the they're going to listen some to, if, if to some they of this. don't read what I sent then it's their loss and they'll suffer the consequence see like I said I love them they're great some of my D&D &D players <laughs> don't read some of the things especially lore things that I send to them so for their and my benefit I usually include TLDRs got it you enable them well it's either that or the entire gameplay suffers so yeah and that sucks too but hey, we love you. <laughs> <laughs>
don't feel attacked or targeted it's 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 a thing that happens you're fine <laughs> okay other things we learn as Rand and marine continue to dialogue they don't know what happened to pat and fane yeah you know Rand hadn't found him well no one found him he's just in the wind he's in the pattern maybe somewhere. he went with the shanshin maybe he went somewhere else no one has a clue moraine she believes that's a good thing Rand didn't find him because pat and fane has become someone more dangerous than anyone could believe oh this, yeah her studies and and of course when she had you know a hold of him back in uh she Faldara, interrogated him multiple times but then added to it other things she studied and learned about she now believes okay this was a person touched by the dark one himself who then encountered Mordeth in Shedder Logoth, and that Mordeth would have tried to take him over, but encountering the Dark One's direct touch, that didn't go the way it's supposed to. And so what's left is probably neither, but, but worse. worse. Something new, something worse, exactly. He, he is something never seen before and horribly dangerous. Probably could have killed Rand. So good thing you didn't see him. Probably killed, could have killed a lot of things. Rand's battle with Balzaman. We also learn now, this is where we get confirmation in this dialogue with, with Moraine. Everybody yeah, it was visible it. to everyone up in the sky above Falmid. Yeah, you feel we, validated? Remember that? Yeah. Up in the sky above the we, prophecy. We had a really nice like planetarium projector that just yeah. put it all up there for us. It was great. And in fact, it was probably not only visible to Falme, but all across Toman Head. Everybody could see these shapes up in the sky. You're a the big thing. star. Yeah. And the story of this is spreading all over. Probably well beyond Toman Head already, and it's just going to keep going. Mm -hmm. There's and drawings and stuff already made. People, those street artists, they're real fast. And when something like that happens, they go real fast. So there's some really good images of you, Rand. And people have identified this, not just as Rand against this guy. They've identified it as the Dragon Reborn against the Dark One. And so, the Dragon Reborn happens to look just like Rand. So, I mean, within the next month or so, pretty much anywhere you go, you're probably going to be recognized as this Dragon Reborn from the picture. Oh, DR, what's up? Yeah, you could get free drinks at most bars. I was just thinking, buy a drink? That's funny. <laughs> Even as all these signs are pointing to Rand being the Dragon Reborn, he refuses. It's not that he says he doesn't believe it. He's saying, I won't accept it. I won't be the Dragon Reborn. But Maureen points out, um, yeah, that choice is kind of pointless. Because even doing nothing, you're wreaking havoc. Just think about Kyrian. Okay, yeah. you were in Kyrian. You intentionally tried to do nothing. You refused to play Kyrian the game. Yet. And she's telling him. And the... The city's in civil war now. The country is in chaos. Yeah, he didn't know that quite yet. And she's telling him, just Ouch. your presence, you being who you are, regardless of your stance on it, makes an impact. It is breaking things apart. It is the way it mm -hmm. has to be. So let's add more things to the mix. Kyrian, you said, is civil in civil war. Yep. But the Black Aja are starting to reveal themselves too. First time in 2,000 years there's genuine proof of Black Aja. Eridoman and Terabon, they're on the brink of war with each other. Mm-hmm. And there's more. Yeah. Moraine plays her trump card. Undeniable sign that the world is breaking again. And that the dragon has returned. She pulls out two Quendiar seals on the Dark One's prison. The ones that Lord Turok had mm -hmm. had in his collection. One Notably, had been Bale Domans and neither, one he had. Neither of these are the one they found at the Eye of the World. That's right. Which was also broken. Well, I didn't say that these were broken Yeah, yet, you did. You said pulled out two broken seals. I didn't say broken 
you're going to listen. This happened a couple Jordan's episodes gonna ago. Jordan's going to mention here that you said no, broken seals. I didn't. You heard it in your head. Remember the last time you really went to die on that hill, and then I played it back to you and showed you you were But wrong. I'm going to be right this time. No, I hadn't said broken yet. <laughs> Anyways. It's also very possible you said to Quendiar seals I as, did. as I read something that it says broken and so as i read the word broken that is exactly right anyways these two are broken they're broken and she says and the one i had before from the other world it's broken too now so three of the seven seals in the dark one's prison are broken was that one not found broken i thought it was found broken no it was not found broken but it was broken by the time they got it to swan sanche originally it was not broken Cause that's why we know i'm gonna look that back up in a little bit just because i thought it was nope nope not originally probably uh, i'm wrong it's totally okay some of these details i kind of let slide my bad the point is three are now broken we can confirm there are only seven and when all seven are broken the dark one's prison will be torn open and he will be able to directly touch the world again right so we're gonna hope that the other four are actually semi-indestructible like they're supposed to be and these three were just like flukes and moraine mentions again per prophecy that the only hope for the world is that the dragon reborn is there to face the dark one when it happens it's inevitable it's going to happen there's not some way that we can somehow make sure the other four don't break they're going to break. They were not eternal. They were going to, even though they were made from Quindiar that doesn't break, they were going to break. He needs to be there and be ready. They put duct tape on this, which is an amazing fix. It fixes <laughs> almost everything, but it does degrade over time. That's right. Rand, man, he feels overwhelmed by all this. Understandably. He insists, I got to get up. Yeah, he'd I like to walk, go run, run away, but he can't quite do that. So he'll <laughs> go up for a walk. But he is so weak. So Min and Moraine, one on either side under his shoulders, they're yeah. helping him stand up. I have a slightly humorous his shoulders, image of his my His arms mind. are on their head tops. Yeah, it's not exactly. It's not on their shoulders. <laughs> it's on their heads. <laughs> Moving around a tad, he discovers who else is still there. Perrin, Loyal, Lan, the rest of the Shnaran soldiers. Basically everybody who was with them who didn't go back to Tarvalin is here. And he's he's kind of surprised, and particularly comments to Loyal, you know, I, I didn't think you'd still be here. But Loyal's like, where else would I, I be? I am. You're my friend. And I hope hope we're still friends. And Rand's like, I will always be your friend. I mean, until I'm too mad to know what I'm doing, but yeah. And the tail starts wagging because he had because he's happy. Yeah. Oh wait, he's not. He doesn't actually have a tail. It's just. But it's the sentiment that counts. He's a he's a nice lad. And then Rand sees the dragon banner still up on a pole, planted like right in the middle of the camp, blowing did on they the slight breeze. Get a nicer pole, or did they still say. use the same it branch? Say. It's probably the same branch. Rand's like, really, <laughs> really? Okay, it's bad enough that I may be the dragon reborn, but do you have to hang out a bloody sign? <laughs> and Moraine says, it's too late to hide. It's mm-hmm. always been too late to hide, honestly. But now the word is out. And let's drive that home a little bit. Yeah. You got these Shinaran soldiers. They approach and they kneel to him. And they say, the coming of the Dragon Reborn breaks all oaths and bonds. We would give our oaths to you, Lord Dragon. He's like, no, 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 no. You're Lord Agomar's men. No, no, not anymore. And let's really drive it home. Okay. Who was the one that hated him because he looked like Aiel? That'd be Masima. Masima is there looking at him 
with his eyes shining like this is God. <laughs> He's yeah. as he looks at him now. It's like this total switch. He's filled with a zealous fervor for the dragon reborn. Let's just let's take note of this reaction and just remember it as we keep going. Yeah. Hint. Hint that this might person, be significant. all these things, Masima uh, is practically worshiping. Well, right and even now. the Dragon Reborn breaks all oaths and bonds yes. and all that. This is a very important thing that happens in a very small chunk of this book. We'll just remember it. Murray notes that the world will be broken. It will be broken, whether yep. Rand breaks it or not. So, I mean, you might as well break it, right? No, that's, that's not what she's that's saying. That's not what she's saying. That's not what she's, she's saying. saying. Tarman Gaiden is coming. And Rand can't do a thing about that. But you can do some things. You have a choice. Yes. He can embrace who he is, stand up, be the dragon reborn, face the last battle. Or you can just say no, no, no forever and leave the world to be completely defenseless. Yeah. The Dark One takes over and ta-da! Wait, Dark One's coming. You can be there to face him or you can not and give him free reign it's your choice and so the chapter closes with rand thinking once again of a consistent theme death is lighter than a feather duty heavier than a mountain and his final words are not his final words the final words written by robert jordan are he made his decision yes he decided and that's it we don't know we don't know it doesn't tell us what the decision is it just leaves poor readers there and please understand this book ends with us not knowing the decision and when this book was written that meant cliffhanger and notably (laughs) um like we said the next chapter which is the last chapter is very small and very little story content with our main character it does not illuminate the decision at all so as far as this book is concerned we don't know what really he is you could try and use some context clues yep but who knows anything you want to particularly highlight then from what we've covered today not at the moment okay me neither i think i will just look forward to talking spoiler room stuff so this is where we'll wrap up today's regular content please if you have enjoyed this go ahead and give us a rating review us leave behind what you're thinking where other people can see it yep I'm really hoping for a few more stars to show up on Apple Podcast because we've got five stars from five people, but we've had way more than five people listen to us. So somebody, even if you listen to us on Spotify, go over to Apple, find us and hit five stars, you know, because if you enjoy this, that means you think it's five stars. So tell other people and let's get the word out there. Like us, listen, share. That's, that's how what we kind of ask because that's really what we like to do and we like to see. If you want to interact with us more directly, again, Discord, pumped it at the beginning. The invite link is down in the show notes. Come join us. We'd love to have you mm-hmm. be part of the Fantasy of the Ages family. That's the biggest and best way to talk with us. Totally. But there are a number of other avenues if that's not your cup of tea. We have an email. We do. It's fantasyforthages at gmail.com. If you send us an email, we will reply. We also have social medias. We do. We're really active on Twitter. Multiple po- posts every day. We have fun. We even throw out some fun polls where you mm-hmm. can vote. A lot of those are Wheel of Time ones. Mm-hmm. Once in a while, I'll throw in something else. But mostly the polls are Wheel of Time. And come engage with us there. We exist on Facebook. Yeah, I check maybe once a week. So if you really want to connect with us, find that thing called Twitter. Or be on our Discord. Facebook? Eh. 
And if any of the drinks that we've mentioned sound interesting to you, you can find them on our Instagram page included with a picture. Or at least you can find my dad's. Mine are usually a little more on the fly. Yeah, we didn't put yours in there. You've drank all of it now. Well, I've drank most of it. That's not worthy for a photo what's left anymore. <laughs> There's like an inch of mother's milk in a cup. <laughs> not anymore as he chugs the rest. Okay, final way that you can connect with us is to become a patron. Find us on Patreon. The link to our Patreon page is in the show notes. That's a way where you decide mm-hmm. you want to be next level and being part of this podcast and you're financially supporting us. For as little, little as a dollar a month, you can come and sit in live as we record and have a chat with us. It's a very fun time. Jordo says, do it. There you go. We've got a few patrons so far. Not that many worth thankful for the ones we have very much so and that little bit is helping to offset our costs but not all of our costs for sure i mean we actually pay a chunk of change to make sure we can host these on a website and get them distributed everywhere so and of course we paid for the microphone so we don't sound so horrible like we did in episode four remember that much better oh man that was painful sorry to all of you (laughs) but whether you support us on patreon or not it's all good we're thankful you're here we appreciate you listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Nope. When, when I'm done. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We have to go now to the... <laughs> He's going to laugh. The Spoiler Room. Okay, why he's laughing is I was about to turn off my recording. Like, I see him go to his mouse, (laughs) scrolls it over to the button to stop it. I didn't stop, though. I didn't. (laughs) And Jordo's like, edit point. Nah, Uh, we gotta keep this one. we gotta keep this one in. When I make a fool of myself, we need to keep it. You already keep enough that I make a fool of myself. Because you do it so often, it's easy. Thanks. (laughs) All right. Rock, paper, scissors time. Yes. Ah, you get to go first. So taking my uh, control back in this spoiler room zone, I am going to talk about a little bit spoiler, but largely the focus is actually technically theory. And that's what exactly is happening with the fight between Rand and Baalzaman. Where is that taking place? What's going on? Okay. And I would like to throw out here, that's Teleron Riyadh. Interesting. And the evidence kind of that I throw with this is where the spoiler comes in. When the heroes of the horn are not currently being called in the horn and they're not born into the pattern, they reside in Teleron Riyadh. That's that is where true. they chill. Yeah. So what the horn kind of is doing is not so much calling the hor- heroes out of Teleron Riyadh into the real world, but rather merging the two f- kind of for a small period of time in this time and place. That is an interesting theory. So if Baalzaman pulls Rand into Teleron Riyadh, things that aren't exactly possible can happen but because of the horn it's enough in the real world that those of us not in Teleron Riyadh can experience it thus we see them displayed across the sky I will say I've never heard this theory before anywhere else in Watt fandom it's interesting I think it's valid I think it makes sense it it has some legitimacy Jordo says something like that was mentioned on the dusty wheel we missed an episode we probably have to go back and listen to I look forward to looking to that episode and having my theory be at least validated, if not confirmed. Hey, the folks at the Dusty Wheel are pretty sharp, sharp tools. Exactly. Can I say sharp tools? That sounds wrong. Call them tools. Thank you for the uh, call out. That's the Rand's Pipe one. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
my spoiler rage. Have you I, thought of it ahead of time? Oh this yeah, time? yeah. This one I'm ready for. I'm glad okay. you didn't take it. I want to talk about Balsamon staff. Oh, okay. Okay. He he wounds him with it, and yet they can't heal it. Yeah. And it's because it's he's using the true source, oh, not the one power. And that's kind of where I was. Oh, like, uh, sorry, not the true source, because that's what the one the true power has. from. He's using the true power the, direct from the dark one. True power comes from the dark one. One power comes from the true source. It's a mess. But Why? Yeah, it's the true power that does that. Thus, it cannot be healed by the one power. It's total different power source, total different thing going on. And that is going to play out, of course, as we know, all the way through the series. And in fact, at one point, we'll save his life, oddly enough, when he gets slashed with the dagger by Pat and Fane yep. right coincidentally over the wound that was caused Not by the true power pattern driven <laughs> pattern driven and so those two forces fight in that one spot had he been touched anywhere else on his body by the shader logoth dagger he would have died he instead gets touched in the one spot where a wound made by the true power hasn't healed because it's an encapsulated bubble of true power in his body weird thing but does the thing uh, All right, so that was your spoilerage. That was my spoilerage. I think we're done already. Yeah, with that being said. Quick and fast one. Again, if you are still here, you already have read all of the Wheel of Time, so we don't have to talk about what the true power is and all that stuff, which is good because anyone else, first-timers, they're very lost. They're listening right now. So for those of you who stuck around, thank you for listening to this spoiler mess. We'll talk to you next time. I can really turn it off now, right? Yes, yeah.